Timothy. Been a great day today and uh, certainly thankful for uh, the shoemakers being with us in the services and then also uh, the Brannings uh, being up uh, or down uh, with us. Dr. Shoemaker came up, the Brannings came down and um, good to have them. They both headed back uh, this afternoon. Uh, Dr. Shoemaker had a slightly shorter drive than the Brannings did, and um, so pray for them. They're going to be traveling either until they stop or they'll be home like early in the morning um, tomorrow, uh, one of the two. So uh, if you would uh, remember them uh, to the Lord in prayer, and that is um, Luke's um, mom and dad and uh, his siblings uh, came as well uh, as Luke has um, uh, moved uh, moved down here to go to school, and um, he's going to be starting school this week, actually, and um, going to be helping out in the church and doing some things around the church uh, and um, learning uh, learning some different things and uh, looking forward to seeing what the Lord uh, will um, uh, do uh, in him and through him uh, as he endeavors to uh, serve uh, serve the Lord. And so we're excited about him uh, being here. Just um, just kind of a, an FYI, I made an announcement a while uh, a little while ago uh, about um, Luke coming and interning in the church and staying over at the uh, Bard House. Uh, that will not be happening. Okay, so um, if you have any additional questions, you're be I'll be glad to answer any of those that I can. Uh, but he will not be um, he will not be staying over there. Just kind of uh, just wanted the church as a whole to know. And uh, there was a, a little bit of uh, uh, well, let you if you have any questions? Just let me know, and uh, I'll I'll be glad to. Uh, answer any of them that I can uh, for you uh, about that, uh, but uh, we're thankful for uh, the opportunity for him to come and serve the Lord here. Second Timothy chapter number four. I'm going to ask Brother Harold uh, Veal if he'll go ahead and open up our services in prayer uh, tonight. Brother Harold, would you pray for us? Amen. 2 Timothy chapter number 4 tonight. 2 Timothy chapter uh, number 4. Now, um, I, I forget. Okay, so I'm just going to be honest with you. So I forget that we only sing one song on Sunday night. And I don't believe it was last Sunday, but I think it was Sunday before. Um, I got to preaching, and I kept looking up at the clock thinking to myself, man, I've got... So many more minutes left, and uh, and Wendy said, "Babe, you preached like fifty-five minutes," and uh, I said, "Well, it didn't seem like that." And so, um, to, to me, anyways, and so uh, I'm going to be a little bit more um, uh, smart about the time, and um, just want to give you a few thoughts uh, about what uh, Paul tells Timothy here. I love this, and Paul. Now you remember uh, Timothy. Um, was a uh, son in the faith to Paul. So, 
I don't know why there's a controversy over this, but there's been a controversy through the years that 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 Timothy was a, an illegitimate son of of Paul, and that it's just a bunch of nonsense. Okay, so he was a son in the faith, and so um, Paul um, poured his life into people, and um, so he had people. It's kind of like the Old Testament uh, when you saw uh, Elijah. And uh, what did Elijah do? He poured himself uh, into Elisha. And uh, Paul, he pours himself into Timothy and, 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 and Titus and Mark. And there's several different people um, that, uh, that Paul ministers uh, to. And um, Timothy is one of them. He is uh, his son in the faith, meaning that somewhere along the line, Paul had something to do with uh, Timothy coming uh, to faith and learning uh, the scriptures and uh, discipling and uh, being there for him, a mentor for him. And watch this in, 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 in 2 Timothy 4. Verse number one, the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. We're living in verses 3 and 4. We are living in those days where um, it's hard. I'm just going to tell you, it's hard for a pastor. It's hard for a preacher to get up and preach uh, hard anymore. I mean, you preach and you, you know, you preach on sin. You preach against homosexuality. You preach against divorce. You preach against uh, uh, things that the Bible preaches against. And let me tell you something, you're nothing but a hate monger. I mean, you know why you preach those things? It's what people are saying, by the way, by and far. You preach those things because you don't love people. If you love people, you'd compromise. If you love people, you wouldn't be so hard-nosed on these uh, subjects. But can I tell you, loving people has nothing to do with it. We should all love people, but we should all be as hard-nosed as the Bible is. So if the Bible says something's wrong, then it's wrong. It's wrong for our generation. It was wrong for the generation before. It will be wrong for the generation next. And so we should be standing up and preaching, thus saith the Lord. But the problem is people don't want to hear it. People want to come to church and be made to feel good. People want, that's what he means by, by tickling their ears, Right? Make, make, me, make me feel good. Tell me the things that I want to hear, not the things that I need to hear. No, lots of times we, we, um, we, uh, we come to church and we want, the, we want the preacher and we want the music and we want everything that's going on. We want it to make us feel good. We want it to make us feel better. We want it to make us feel like... Uh, 
we've done something right this week and and that you know the the one hour of church that you know that we gave to the lord was you know the angels are rejoicing in heaven because we put two shekels in the in the in the offering plate and we showed up to church and 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 preacher pat me on the back and tell me what a good job i'm doing and and i'm here to tell you if we're just looking for a pat on the back if we're just looking for an attaboy then the things that we're doing, we're doing for the wrong reasons. And they're listening to fables and they're listening to, uh, they want to hear a different interpretation. Have you heard? Have you heard about the new version that's out? The new version of the Word of God? It's called the Queen James Version. The Queen James Version. And it is transgender heavy and uh, all these sexual orientations that are in and it's all this nonsense and craziness that's out there and let me tell you what's happened the fear isn't the world okay because the world's always been messed up do you understand that the flood happened a few years ago <laughs> so we've been having a sin problem for a long time right The world is not the problem. The world is not the fear. It's the church becoming the world. That's the fear. It's the church that uh, is allowing the things of the world to get inside. And so we we have turned to fables. We have turned to altering the word of God. We have turned to what's making us feel good. We're living in verses 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy chapter number 4. But look what Paul goes on to say. I love this passage of Scripture, verse number 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. This gives me the idea. Verse number 5 gives me this idea Pay attention to what you're doing. Do you know what we say in our household? That's what we say in our household. When you get in somebody else's business, we say, stay in your own lane. Never heard that before? Some of you might say, you just just stay in your own lane. What does that mean? That means you don't belong in this lane. Stay over there. And he tells Timothy, right in the first, those three and four, he tells Timothy, okay, the... There's going to be coming a time where they're not going to endure sound doctrine. They, 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 they're going to turn to fables and they're going to turn to make me feel goods. And they're going to do all these things. These things are coming, but watch thou in all things. Do, do the work of an evangelist. Don't, don't worry about all these things. Now, know that they're there. Know that they're coming. Know that they're here. Know that they're seeping and sneaking into the church. But you need to get busy. You need to get busy about thy ministry. What we like as a people is we like to worry about everybody else's business. We like to worry about what everybody else is doing. We like to worry about everybody else's ministry. We like to worry about how they're doing their ministry when we're doing nothing. We like to worry about how they can change this and they could do this better. Now, I'm not going to do it, but I think I've got a better way for them to do it. 
I jotted these things, these things down when I read verse number five. Matter of fact, I, I did it tonight just before, uh, just before services. Uh, we are more worried about. Now, now get this. Tell me, tell me I'm not right. We're more worried about God. Or we're more worried about gossip than godliness. Because let me tell you something. Don't sit there and tell me how godly you are when you gossip about other people. We're more worried about gossip than we are godliness. We're more worried about power than we are about people. One day, maybe, I'd like to strip everything that has any kind of a deacon, strip it. Trustee, strip it. Pastor, strip it. I mean, just take, you know, you know what they, by the way, you know what those, all those people are? They're, they're, we, we talk about leaders and their leaders and their leaders. You know what they are? They're servants. That's what they should be. You know what the pastor is? He's ultimately the ultimate servant. That's what we ought to be. And we're more worried about power. We're more worried about a title. We're more worried about what people think about us than we are about people. People, have you noticed? Have you noticed lately that people are hurting? People are struggling. I don't know if you have recognized the increase in every cotton-picking thing that you have to buy today. Groceries, vehicles, houses, everything. Have you noticed? I've, I've been just kind of in, been calculating these things in my mind every time I go to, to, to get something. And I say, let me tell you something. I used to be able to get that, and I'd always cut it in half. It's like everything's doubled. Do you know, I was walking into Parker's the other day. As some of you know, I, just, I love me a Parker's drink. And so um, as soon as they finish this Parker's up here, you know, I just found out this not too long ago. You can get on a Parker drink deal where you can pay so much a month and you can get all the, oh, you know, I mean. Marriage is supper of the lamb, right? And so I so we get a part of it. But I like to go to Parker's. And I walked into Parker's. And right on the door it says, we're hiring. And I told my wife, it said $14 to $17 an hour. I think that was right. $14 to $17 an hour. And once upon a time, you'd say, wow, $15 an hour. Listen, listen to me. When I was young, you didn't get no $15 an hour. Let me tell you something now. Let me tell you something in Effingham County. You can't live on $15 an hour. You can't afford rent on $15 an hour. I mean, your utilities. I mean, if you want to have a car, if you want to have insurance. Kyle, I mean, Kyle has complained and complained and complained and complained for years because of his insurance. Back a while ago, Kyle wanted to be a, a, a big boy adult and so we let him be a big boy adult and he got his own phone and he got his own car and he got his own insurance and I'm thinking praise God I don't have to pay for it anymore well guess what he ain't 25 our insurance auto owners won't even consider you if you're under 25 so he had to get his own I think he's on progressive or one of those and man he pays as much for his insurance as he does his truck payment Welcome to the big boys. So in October, he's going to be 25, and he is looking forward to it going down. 
puts one expense after another and after another. And do you know how many people are struggling today? Both mom and dad, husband and wife, they're, they're working just to make ends meet. People are hurting. I mean, all sorts of stuff that's going on around us in our world today. And people are struggling and we're more worried about ourselves We're more worried about our image. We're more worried about if we have some kind of power over something else or somebody else. It's nonsense. We're more worried about power than we are people. Think about this one. We're more worried about fault than we are the Father. Well, let me tell you something. Let me me get my glasses on. I want, to, I want to find fault here. I want to find fault there. I want to find fault here. And I want to, you know, n- nobody, let me tell you something. Uh, my wife and I, dim in comparison, dim in comparison to the microscope that our children have been under their entire life because they've, they've been in ministry their entire life. Uh, like, they should, no, 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 you can't, you can't do, when they were little, let me tell you something. When they were little, and we had, after the services, they, they came over next to me. And there was two reasons for that. One reason was because, I mean, they're under microscope, and they're always looking for something that they've done wrong, something that they've said wrong, something. Because, you know, they're not kids like everybody else's kids are. And the second reason is they tell you everything. <laughs> I mean, they tell you. You don't have to tell them everything, kids, you know. But our life's always been an open book. And you know what? In your open book, people are trying to find something. We're always trying to find something. You know why we're always trying to find something? Because we're bored. You know, you know one of the most dangerous things you can be in this life? Bored. Right? You get bored and you pick up your phone. You get bored and you get on the computer. You get bored and you... Go and do something or look at something or uh, uh, something you're, you shouldn't be doing. Listen to me. I have a hard time on Sunday. Do, don't ever ask me on Wednesday what so-and-so wore. I don't even know what color they wore. I don't know what their shoes looked like. I didn't know how their hair was done. I mean, I know... I, why? I don't have any time to pay attention to any of that stuff. I have a hard time getting to people to even talk to them. Why? Because there's so much to do. But I'm telling you, some people are more worried about everybody else and their faults. They're so worried about everything that's going on, and they forget. What are we here for? We're here for the Father, right? Aren't we here for God? Aren't we here for Jesus? That's not what I'm here for. Well, then you need to do a reevaluation. Because that's why we should be here. We should be here concentrating on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul was, was, um, was telling Timothy uh, uh, some of these things by saying, Watch, pay attention, preach the word, exhort, reprove, do all these things. Do the work of an evangelist. And then he says this in verse 6. So we always, we always quote 6 and 7. Six and seven we know, but we, we forget that one through five comes before six and seven. Then he says this to Timothy. I need you to do all these things because I am now ready to be offered. 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. Let me tell you, let me tell you what, what, what Paul was and what Paul desired out of Timothy and what God desires out of us. You ready? Here it is, one word, consistency. Consistency. Now, I promise you, I have my faults just like you do, just like everybody else does. But who I am at church is the same person I am at home, the same person I am in the grocery store, the same person I am when we go on vacation. I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll go ahead and confess for you. Okay, here it is. The only thing I change when I go on vacation is I wear shorts. Now, I don't wear shorts around. You don't want to see my white chicken legs anyway. So. That's the only thing I, I'm literally, it's the only thing I change. I'm not, I'm not a different person when I go on vacation and a different person when I'm at the Walmart and a different person when I'm at church. I'm the same person. Why? Because we need consistency out of God's people. We need to be the same. And so often people are like chameleons and they change their spots. They change with their environment so that they can blend in and so that they can look like the people that they're around. We should be the same no matter who we are. And if people don't like it, let me tell you, let me tell you something about if people don't like it. If people don't like it, they're going to do one of two things. They're going to conform or they're going to disappear. I mean, they're either going to say, okay, and want to be around you and uh, be careful around you what they say and be careful around you what, you, uh, what they do, or they're going to say, sorry, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And you can't pick which one they do. The only thing you can do is be faithful. The only thing you can do is be consistent in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 Verse number two, the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. When I was on the ship, I had a job that was in a very small room that had a bunch of uh, radar systems in it and sonar in it. And uh, it was required that you had a code to get in that room. You had to have the right rate. You You had to have the right job. Not everybody could go in that room. It was required to have this. And by the way, they changed it all the time. And only the people that had that rate, only the people that had business being in there had the code. So it was required. If you didn't have the code, you didn't get in. Why? Because the code was required. It was necessary. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's a requirement. It's a requirement from God. It's a requirement from God's Word. And you know what it means to be faithful? It means to be consistent. One of the things that has gone out the window in our churches today is consistency. 
It's consistency. It's all over the place. Absolutely all over the place. And God requires in stewards that a man be found faithful. We want all these titles. We want all these things. We want people to believe that we're this, thus, and the other. And yet we don't, we're not faithful. We're not godly. We're not righteous. We're not all these things that God requires out of his people. It's amazing to me. Listen, it is amazing to me what passes as Christianity in our world today. And I wonder. I wonder. Now, people have asked me, and I have my reasons, and I have some, I have some biblical reasons, uh, that I don't believe that people are up in heaven looking down and watching us. I just don't believe that. One of the main reasons I don't believe that is because how depressing would that be? I mean, grandma's up there looking down at a grandson who's acting a fool and, and not doing what they're supposed to do. And so I think we're, we're going to be so busy up there, we're not paying attention to what's going on down here. But I often wonder, I often wonder if they did, and they look down and talk about the old timers. You talk about the R.G. Lees and the D.L. Moody's and the C.H. Spurgeons. They all, they all had initials, by the way. They hardly ever went by there. They always had two initials, right? I'm going to start going by J.G. Springer. But they had all these, I mean, all these old time, all these guys that just gave their life. I think about William Tyndale. Do you know anything about William Tyndale? The Bible is sitting in your lap. Has a lot to do because of William Tyndale. And William Tyndale's desire was to have the Bible put in English speaking so the average person could read the Bible. At the time, can you imagine, can you imagine the Bible only being in Latin and only being in Greek and only being in Hebrew? Have you looked at Latin, Greek, and Hebrew lately? And, and by the way, only the educated, only the priests, and only the preachers, only the people uh, uh, that were highly educated knew those languages. And when they spoke, you just believed it. You didn't have a choice. You didn't have a Bible that you could look up. By the way, you couldn't Google it. No such thing as Google, right? So whatever the, whatever the, the, whatever the man up there said, you just took it as gospel because he said it. And Tyndale said, would to God that we'd have the Bible in English so the average plowman could read the Word of God. Matter of fact, he started it, 1528. Uh, I have a facsimile of, of, of William Tyndale's 1528 New Testament, where he started illegally, by the way, illegally putting the Bible into the English language. And through Tyndale, by the way, he was, he was captured, he was put to the pyre, and he was burned at the stake. His last words, I mean, unbelievable. His last words were, open the eyes of the king of England. Open the eyes of the king to see the need of a translation. And guess who the king was? James. 
And did a new translation, 1611, you know the rest of the story, or, or hopefully you know the rest of the story uh, of where the King James Bible came from. But you know what he did? He gave his life. He died for it. And I wonder if he was looking down now and be thinking to himself, what in the world are you guys doing? I mean, are you serious with me? I gave my life for that book. I mean, I gave my life for God. And we're worried about all this other nonsense when people are dying and going to hell? When our world is going... I mean, the only... Listen to me. The only reason that I believe that this world will not be destroyed by a flood again is because God promised it in a rainbow. Otherwise, I mean, I'd be looking for a worldwide flood coming around the corner. Because we ain't no different than in the days of Noah. Matter of fact, we might be a little bit worse than in the days of Noah. And I'm telling you, all these things are going on in our world today, and we need to straighten up and become consistent and faithful when it comes to God and His Word. Our consistency. Think about this with me just for a second tonight. Uh, We need to be consistent in our service to the Lord. We need to be consistent in our service to the Lord. Verse 2, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. You know what that means? It just means to be ready. The Bible says that we always ought to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Brother Wright used to say that all the time. Listen to me. I never went to Bible Baptist Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi without a sermon in the front of my Bible and a sermon in the back of my Bible. Now, he might not call me on, call on me to preach, but he might. And by the way, he would do it like we'd be getting ready for the services and he'd say, I'm so glad to have the Springers here and Brother Joe's going to come up and preach for us now. Uh, it only happened once. When I wasn't in season and out of season. He'd say that, and I'd jump up like I was called on to preach a month ago. And I got up there and be instant. Be ready to preach the word. Be ready to reprove. Be ready to rebuke. Be ready to exhort. Be looking for opportunities to serve the Lord. He says to do the work of an evangelist. Get out there and get out the word of God. You know, it's amazing to me that the average church, the average denomination is literally embarrassed when it comes to service by the cults. I mean, they're consistent. They're faithful. Now, they're faithful to the wrong thing. They're consistent in the wrong things, but man, they are consistent and they are faithful. You say, no, 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 no. How many times have your door been knocked on? And here they come. And there's usually two of them. They're both carrying a Bible. And they're both wearing white shirts and, 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 and a tie. And sometimes they're coming up on bicycles. And they come in and knock on your door. And they want to do a Bible study. And they want to do this. And they want to do that. And, they, and it don't matter if it's 140 degrees outside or if it's 20 below zero. It's absolutely amazing to me. When we lived in the borrowed house, that's mind-boggling to me. All it takes 
is a, is a search to know that we own both of these, and, 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 and both of these houses, and one of them, likely the preacher or the preacher's uh, our assistant preacher lives in it, and they didn't care. They still came to it. Still knocked on the door. Now, they only did it, only did it once when I lived there, but we had a long discussion, and they were just, you know, oh, we got to go get, you know, whatever, and come back, but they never came back. But I'm here to tell you, they embarrass us. You know why? Listen, you know what they do? You know what their investment is? It's in people. Their investment is people. People come along, and man, they just pour everything into these people, everything into these young people, everything into these young couples. They'll send them off. By the way, they'll send them off to college and pay for their entire college. Bring them back and train them, and, and they're the next generation that goes out. Now, I'm not, I'm not up here to tell you we've got to do things that, that, like they're doing, but I can tell you this much. We need to start being consistent. We need to start being faithful. We need to start standing up and start worrying about the things that matter, the things that are going to last for eternity. Be consistent in your service. Be consistent in service to your church. Where do you serve? Do you call Rinkin Baptist Temple your home? I'm talking to the Sunday night service crowd, okay? I get that. You came back, and you came back Sunday night. So if this is your church, then have some ownership. Where can I get involved? What can I do? I can tell you. You remember, Brother Toby's almost like that too. But Miss Celia, you remember. Brother, brother, when um, Brother Scott was alive, let me tell you something. Our brother Gordy was alive. Scott, you're still alive. Um, brother, <laughs> looked right at you and said, Scott. Uh, when Brother Gordy was alive, listen, the... The scripture assembly was about the only ministry in this church. And if you didn't serve, if you didn't do something in scripture assembly, you might not even be saved. I mean, he was serious about that scripture assembly. I mean, he wanted everybody to be involved. Why? You know why? Because he took ownership of that. That was something that he absolutely loved. And something that he thought everybody should be a part of. When I was in college. I've told you this story. I tell my kids this all the time. Our, our missions, our missions uh, professor, Dan Truax, he's with God now. He was something. You'd go into his class. He's the guy that I told you about that, would, that you'd say, Brother Truax, I, I, don't under, I don't understand number two. And he'd say, it's B. Okay, and you circle P and you go on, you know. And then he'd go up to the board and he'd write, the answer to number two is B. I mean, he didn't want anybody to fail his class. And, uh, but, but every day, we'd sing a song about missions. Every single, uh, every single class, we'd sing a song about missions. And then this was his mantra. I promise. He'd get up and say, let me tell you something. Joe, John, Missy. And you go all through, he said, every one of you need to go to the Sahara Desert as a missionary. That's what he did, 30 years, 30 plus years using the Sahara Desert as a missionary. And he'd say, everybody needs to go. We'd ask the question, we'd say, Brother Truex, what if you're not called there? He said, if you're not called there and you go, God will forgive you. That's what he used to say. You know why? Because the Sahara Desert was on his heart. 
You ever see these missionaries? You ever, you ever watch a video from a missionary and go, my goodness, I should go to Ecuador. Holy smokes, I should go to South Africa. Man, I, the need's over in, because the eye affects the heart, right? And when you get involved in a ministry, and when you get involved, in it, you take ownership of that, and that ministry's important to you. And guess what? When you get busy in the ministry that God has given you, you stay in your own lane when it comes to everybody else's ministries. You know why? Because you're so immersed. I mean, you're so, this is, this is, now, now understand this. When I say ownership, when I say this is my ministry, right? We know it's God's ministry. We know that, right? When we say this is my church, this, by, by and by, this is not your church. I mean, Here's the bubble. Pop. I just busted it for you. This church does not belong to you. This is God's church. Now, what I mean by that is this is my church. I'm proud of this church. I serve in this church. I go to this church. I invite people to come to this church. That's what I'm talking about by ownership. And we need to be service serving. We need to be consistent in our church. Not just going and being ministered to but going and ministering. And let's not be used to Christians. Hmm, yeah, I used to serve in the nursery, and I used to do this, and I used to do that. And, and we become, and it was so great that we did those things. And sometimes we can't do those things anymore. Don't misunderstand me. There are things now that I can't do that I used to do. So I recognize that. But that doesn't mean if God, listen, if God's got you here, he's got you here for such a time as this. And he's got you here to get busy about his business. And what is it? What is it that God would have you to do? Find out what it is and be consistent in your service in your church. Be consistent in your service in your community. In your community. Stop expecting everybody else to go to your neighbor and invite them to the Lord. You invite them to church. You invite them to church. When you're in the grocery store. When you're in your neighborhood. Some of you might walk around your neighborhood and you run into people all the time. And I have invited them. Invite them again. You know how you know that you've invited them too many times when they see you coming and they go in the house? When they see you coming and they kind of scoot away so they can't, you can't get to them. Next time you see them, invite them again. Get busy in your community. See where you can be a help, where you can be a blessing. Brother Larry goes all the time over to Man House. Always ministering over there, always trying to be a help and a blessing. Other, others of you, too, uh, go over and, and be a blessing, not only in your church, but your church has an outreach into these different ministries where we can be a blessing to our community. Not everybody comes to our church. So how can I be a blessing to them? How can I be a help to them? We always should be having our eyes open. I love it when the psalmist said, open thou mine eyes. Now, he was talking about beholding wondrous things out of that law, but we need to open up our eyes so that we can see the opportunities that are around us. And so many times, opportunities arise and we miss it because our eyes are closed. 
are because we're not ready and willing to be a help and to be a service to other people. We need to, we need to be consistent in our service in our church. We need to be consistent in our service in our community. We need to be consistent in our service to our community or to our country. To our country. We complain, complain, complain about our country. I do. Now listen to me. I I serve my country and I do it again. There's no greater place, in my opinion, to live than in America. And if you don't think that, you can buy a plane ticket and move somewhere else. That's you know, you have that opportunity. But we got some problems, folks. And it's easy to complain. It's complain easy to complain about our president. Our government. It's easy to complain about our our, our local, our city. But when's the last time you ran for something? We complain. I say this, I say this every time voting comes around. Don't bother talking if you don't go vote. I mean, that just drives me insane. How in the world could we possibly be talking if we if we refuse to stand in line or refuse to be inconvenienced a little bit to go to, to go vote? I mean, we we sh- we should we should be looking for opportunities to serve even in our country. One of the reasons that we have things like, and by the way, we're we're making plans. You know, we have a um, we have a um, first responder Sunday, and we have it. We don't have it every year or every other year. We have it when we can. Let me tell you what we're going to have. We're going to have coming up. We're, we're, it's in the, it's in the making. We're going to have a nurses Sunday. Man, I'm going to go to Effingham. I'm going to go to Savannah. I'm going to go to all these places. Invite these nurses who are who are underappreciated and underloved and overworked. Now they're not all great. You've probably had them. You know they don't they don't care. They could care less. But a lot of them care. A lot of them care, and they just work and work and work. Who's there to tell them? Hey, you're doing a good job. Hey, we want to let you know that we're praying for you. We want to let you know that there's a church in Rinkin that cares for your soul. Sometimes we lose sight, don't we? Sometimes we lose sight of what's going on around us. We spent those days, spend some time in the hospital. It's depressing, folks. It's absolutely depressing. And watch these nurses running all over the place and and I mean, just, just craziness and the stuff they have to put up with. You know what we are? Even, even Christian people, it is an absolute crying shame. You know what I do on Sundays when we go out to eat? I overtip. I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about I overtip. There has been times where we've been in somewhere and I've seen other people fr- that I know that are Christian people acting a fool. I, so there's, there's times I'll give 50% tip. Just because I hear, just because I hear uh, waitresses say, I hate working on Sunday. And it's not because they don't get to go to church. It's because they have to deal with church people. Shame on us, folks. Shame on the church. Shame on church people. We should be in our community, we should be in our country, we should be in our church, and we should be saying, where can I help? 
what can I do? ERM, you remember when ERM was here and we got to get to know them. My, my daughter and Luke both traveled with them. And, and, and Mark used to say this. Mark traveled with him. He said, this is one of the greatest groups of young people in the country. And man, I've seen him at, I've seen him at work. Matter of fact, Luke was over at the house. I was messing with him a little bit. He got to mess with him a little bit. And I was messing with him a little bit. I said, Luke, get over here and take out the trash. Man, he, he jumped off the couch. I said, Luke, what? I'm only kidding. I'm going to take out the trash myself. What can I do? Where can I serve? This is what we do. This is what we do by and far. Let me tell you something. Brother Danny, let me tell you about this ministry I think you should be doing. I got it all in my head. Here it is. You know, how, you know how many people come to me about ministries? Very few, because you know why? I tell them, that's a great idea. Go do it. Let's get it. I mean, let's get it started. I can't add another thing to my plate. But man, let's, let's do it. This is, a, this is a great idea. And they are, a lot of times, great ideas. But how can I get involved? What can I do? Do you know what looked different this year, more than anything else, that we've done since... I call it the mass exodus. You know, all the people that, that ended up leaving for different reasons, they just happened to do it all at the same time, was VBS. Man, VBS looked really different. Can I, can I tell you the, the, the Christina Yates and, and, the, and the Mary Lauren, Mary Lauren, I almost said Mary Lauren Duff, Mary Lauren Algood and, 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 and the Wendy Springers and the, and the Sherry Duffs, and you know what? They stepped up. And said, this is, this is what needs to be done. Let's do it. Now, this is what needs to be done. Judy Jenkins, you need to show up because I need you to do this and this and this and this. Now, we might have called a couple of you and said, hey, we need, we need your help. But it's because we were already involved. What are you involved in? In your own church. This is your church. Take ownership and be consistent with our service to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for your love for us, Lord. You're so, you're so gracious to us, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. And I pray that you'd help us to be consistent in the things that we do uh, in our service for you. Help us to do the work of an evangelist. Help us to preach the word. Help us to reprove, rebuke, exhort. Help us to be there and be consistently there for other people in our church, in our community, in our country. You've made a difference in our lives. Help us to look, open our eyes, behold, help us to pay attention to where we can make a difference in the lives of others. Bless our church and our church family. Pray that you give us a good week this week as we honor and serve you. Bring us back this coming Wednesday night for our midweek. And uh, pray that you'd help us to have a great time around God's Word uh, during that time. Be with the Applebee's as they uh, 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 head this way this weekend. I pray that you would bless them and give them uh, the exact words that, uh, that we need here at our church uh, to be a help and to be a blessing. Again, continue to be with Don and Rachel. And I uh, pray that you would bless them and all those that are struggling. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be uh, that uh, burden bearer uh, for others. Uh, so that we might fulfill the law of Christ. We love you and thank you for all that you do for us. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you and good to see you.